Living Local, telling the stories that connect us. A United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County podcast. Hi everyone, this is Katie Kuhn. What's the first thing you think when I say the word racism? How about the word racist? If you had asked me that question a year ago, before I took the Unlearning Racism Tools for Action class at YWCA Southeast Wisconsin, I would have said, I'm not a racist, or that's a problem that other people have to deal with. I'm not part of it. Now, though, I realize that I've spent the last 27 years of my life comfortably numb to the racism all around me, and even, yep, the racism within me. Taking the Unlearning Racism class was life-changing, and the tools I took away are things I try to do every day. I sat down with Paula Pennebaker, Executive Director of the YWCA Southeast Wisconsin, and Martha Berry, Racial Justice Director, to talk about the course. Well, Martha Berry and Paula Pennebaker, welcome. Thank you for being on this podcast with us. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. So, uh, Paula, we'll start with you. What is your background and what drew you to your work around racial justice? Um, well, my background and what drew me are really divergent answers, I think. I started, I, I was first exposed to this work in another lifetime and another job, another career path altogether. I was trained at the Procter & Gamble Company as an internal resource years and years ago in a program called Consulting Pairs. Um, and we used to do what we referred to in those days as racial awareness training. So a pair was uh, an African-American woman and a white male, and or a black male and a white female. Those were pairs. So we went through very extensive training and did internal consulting um, in the management systems division in addition to our regular work. So that's how I got involved in the, in the work. And Martha, how about you? What was your road to get here? Uh, probably a lot more convoluted, but I'd say that I... Um, as a young person, I grew up in a white community and didn't have to think about race, but took a family vacation in elementary school to the South to visit my uncle, aunt and uncle, and got lost and had lots of questions, and my parents didn't have good answers. So I realized that um, the curiosity side of me was going to propel me to keep asking the questions until I learned. Uh, and, you know, had opportunities to work on a Indian reservation, uh, work with the black population, Latino population, lots of different populations, and realized my experience wasn't the norm, necessarily, and finally decided to go back to grad school and do my dissertation work to understand how white people in a society that doesn't want you to think about or look at race to actually look at and do something about race. So... Um, which eventually brought me to the YWCA. So I was still working on my dissertation. I'd finished all my coursework, and a friend of mine told me that the job was open, and I um, thought, they're not going to hire me. Um, one, you know, why would they want a white woman in this job? And two, I'm 
pretty new and green to this work. Like I didn't have a whole background in working in race relations or diversity and inclusion work. So, um, but I guess I am also one of those people who is determined and as a white person can bring something to the equation of bringing other white people into these conversations about race. So that's how I ended up here nine years ago. Describe the Unlearning Racism Tools for Action program. How did it start? Well, you know, Martha's point about not thinking that she would have an opportunity to do this work here, um, I think is is a, an interesting one, and I think it was a surprise to many people. Before I started working at the YDBCA, I was diversity director at First Star Bank. That's when I first moved to Milwaukee, I was doing diversity training. And one thing I knew from that work was that race wasn't going to be addressed effectively in Milwaukee by black people. It hadn't been to this point. And so I had no preconceived notions that uh, that a white person couldn't do it. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, I felt just the opposite, that we'd probably be better off trying to find a, a good white person would probably be more effective at making change happen. So when Martha joined us and we started thinking about what a training class would look like, a lot of the work that she had done, I think, went into helping inform the curriculum. What topics do you cover? Oh, it covers everything from helping people in the beginning stages to understand the history of racism. I think if any of us were honest, if we go back and look at the textbooks and what we learned in history and social studies, it, it was glossed over and not really addressed. So for some of it, the early couple of classes are really trying to build people's foundational understanding um, because the impact of racism is huge, but too often people don't know why we got to where we are. And I think Milwaukee is a classic example of that. How did we get here? Why is it as bad as it is? Why does it seem like it's worse here than other cities? Um, why is the segregation and some of the racial disparities so out of control? But some of it, I think, is really trying to give people that foundation so that they can build their capacity to, to both be empathetic in lots of different directions and decide to be a part of the solution. So how do you build your own capacity personally because you all work in organizations. So how do we get people, well, I shouldn't say everyone does because not, not everyone that comes to the class is part of an organization. Some people come individually because they care about the issue and want to understand it. But if you do work in an organization, you have the opportunity to go back and impact change. And you have to take yourself seriously. And it's not going to be easy to keep addressing or bringing up issues around race because you'll get targeted in some cases as being the person that only talks about race or um, or be seen as the person who only sees problems and doesn't see solutions or, you know, isn't willing to, to try to do anything to address it. So I think we're trying to build short-term capacity in people that will be longer-term, you know, change makers and willing to look at advocacy and policies and practices within organizations to try to change them. Um, I think... We cover everything that people 
need to know about how race came to be. You know, people hear this thing about race as an artificial construct. It, you know, it's a social construct. It's not real. But they don't really know what that means. They get an understanding of what that is when they come to this class. So as Martha alluded to, how, you know, how race was created, the fact that it was created, that it was created for a reason, that it was, uh, it became systematized, that all of that was deliberate. Um, I think that helps people see that it's not just as simple as, well, you're white and you just don't know people of color. And then if you just get to know people, that that takes, takes it all away. So it was, the design is very deliberate to get people to understand that it's not simple. And it was designed, and that design was deliberate, and it was intentional. And that we have to do things that are as deliberate and intentional to undo it. So, yeah, I would just add, too, that I think people start with a sense of personal prejudice and bigotry and, you know, hatred towards people and think that's all that racism is. And we're trying to build people's understanding of it's not just that personal piece, but there's institutional and structural ways that racism stays embedded. And if you don't if you don't have the personal piece, you're certainly not going to move to understanding what institutions have done to keep it the way it is. So looking at segregation in Milwaukee, it's easy to look at housing as a way that that racism got institutionalized and then help people to understand, okay, the impact is not just happening today, it's been going on and we've built to this point. So, so each week of the class is themed the impact of racism, whiteness, taking action. Which theme do you believe resonates most strongly with the group or encourages the most participation and thoughtful discussion? Well, I think it takes people a while. I think the first couple of sessions are a little slow going in terms of people are connecting to it uh, in their heads and haven't like taken it to heart yet. So in terms of engaging and thoughtful participation, it takes a couple of weeks to people check each other out, like, can I really trust you? Is it okay if I say this? Um, I don't want to insert my foot in my mouth. You know, I don't want to say it wrong. I don't want to be targeted, whatever it might be. So I, I think the placement of the third session, which is on whiteness, is perfectly timed for people to be ready, even though... There's plenty of people that would say it's still I'm I quite I wasn't quite there you know in terms of being ready to handle all of the emotions that it yanks up and I have to look at it. What are some goals of the program? Well, I always think short term it's to build people's knowledge and awareness base and um, get people to understand what race is and what racism is, but long term. I want people on a journey of understanding that this is not, we didn't get here overnight in terms of creating racist outcomes. We're not going to end it overnight. So how do we long-term pull people into deciding to be a part of the solution? Like, and that sounds so trite. I'm trying to think of another way to say it. So I'll let Paula jump in. No, I think it, it, it might sound trite, but I think that's true. I think, 
the frustrating thing about this work is getting people to commit to the long haul. And what does that long haul commitment look like? I can speak to it as a, as a white person. It's um, making the decision that when I wake up in the morning to not be oblivious to the way race has an impact. So it means being aware and deciding to keep doing things differently. So, um, you know, it can be the simple things of where do you stop for gas? Who do you support in the community? How do you think about that? You know, where do you go to lunch? You know, what organizations are you supporting in terms of that? But it, it can also be looking at it through someone else's eyes. So my eyes are the only eyes I have, but if I'm tuning them in, I can see that what I'm going to see as a simple issue is way more complex because of how it's lived. That lived experience is going to be different for other people. So what can I do to walk for a second, even if it's a second, in somebody else's shoes to say, that hasn't been easy on them. How have they handled it? And to see the resilience, because I think there's, it's too easy to go, that's that person's problem. Let, you know, let the Latinos figure out how they're going to solve this. Let, you know, the Native Americans will figure that out. The, you know, the black people, they'll get together and figure it all out. Why do we see it as distinctive? They're in their own boat and just let them sink. We're in the, you know, this is a country, a city that needs all of us thinking about how we can be a part of the solution. So if I wake up every morning and go, I don't know, I don't feel like thinking about that today, that's not going to be a useful perspective. It's not going to change. It's not going to build. It's not going to, the capacity is not there for my empathetic side to say, we have to come up with a better way to do this. It's not being satisfied with hearing people say bad things and and not not doing anything about it it's it's about just saying you know that what you said was really ugly you shouldn't say things like that and and not right now we're going through this period of you know, we hear a lot about political correctness and about how we just let that get out of control. It's it's pushing back against that to say, you know, it's not okay to be rude and mean. That has nothing to do with political correctness. It's about being rude and mean and, and stopping that. Not letting that take hold. Not letting that be okay. To not not just letting everybody letting their guard down and just saying and doing and being and being crazy and mean. That's not okay. And it has nothing to do with political correctness. It's about being decent human beings to each other. About being respectful of people. And I fear, I have a great deal of fear about what's coming down the pike if people if good people won't push back against that i have a great deal of fear about that and i think that we've allowed that we've allowed that expression to uh be co-opted 
to mean that um, people can just act any way they want to act. It's okay. So we slap political correctness on it and somehow make that bad when really what we're talking about is being kind. So I think we're, we're called to speak out nowadays in ways that might make people very uncomfortable, but they need to. We all need to. That was Paula Pennebaker, Executive Director, and Martha Berry, Racial Justice Director at YWCA Southeast Wisconsin. For more information on Unlearning Racism Tools for Action, YWCA, and some of the resources shared, check out the accompanying blog post for this episode. Living Local is produced by myself, Katie Kuhn, Rebecca Schimke, Melissa Hannon, and Brian McCaig. Special thanks to Ethan and Maeve McCaig for providing the music and voice talent for our introduction. For more information on Living Local, including how you can advertise your business on our show, visit our webpage, unitedwaygmwc.org slash podcast.